Welcome to Think Big with Dan and Kasim. Join hosts Dan Melnick and Kasim Masood as they explore big ideas, limitless possibilities, and engage with visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders who dare to dream big, get inspired, motivated, and find practical tips for personal growth. Think big, dream bigger, and ignite your potential. Welcome to Think Big with Dan and Kasim. We have Effie filling in for Kasim today, and our guest today is Yugochi. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what you do and where you live. Hi, I'm Yugochi. I am the CEO and founder of Flindle, which is a reverse logistics company headquartered out of Austin, which is where I'm currently at. <laughs> so, so how did you go about starting your company? How did you get this idea? Um, I had the idea a couple of years ago when I had just had a really, really negative experience <laughs> Um, with the entire uh, shopping experience, with the entire shopping process. Um, I used to live in, uh, in Toronto, Canada. And what a lot of people don't realize is that if you think that um, returns are complicated here domestically, it's very, very, very complicated uh, internationally and overseas. And like uh, a huge thing uh, with the e-commerce world is that uh, e-commerce enabled for anyone to be able to have customers everywhere. So you can be in Australia and have customers all around the world. But the negative part is just that you're still based in Australia. So every return needs to be made back to Australia. And um, for us, I mean, it seemed like a really, really um, straightforward problem to solve. <laughs> And um, for me, just like as a person, I'm the kind of person that if I am, you know, working on a puzzle and there's a piece that's missing, I'll go back to the store, get the same like package and then find that one missing piece to be able to solve it. So that's really um, what we're trying to do with Flindle is in-home uh, returns. Awesome. So what was your biggest challenge when starting this company? I think learning about uh, just breaking boundaries and, and breaking, breaking barriers in the logistics space. So most of the companies... Uh, that are in the space have been in the space for hundreds of like literally hundreds of years so like fedex ups etc and then they approach uh logistics from a very traditional viewpoint which is uh you know there's a giant warehouse where everything is centralized and everything comes in and out of those locations um which worked for traditional uh parcel shipments so like back in the day when people would ship like larger items like uh, couches or whatever that would take significant time to um do it to ship uh that model made significant sense because that model was designed for a physical world which is like b2b you know selling items to um, merchants versus now a digital world which is like more um, items leaving a warehouse directly to the consumer's house so like pre-existing infrastructure is not set up for um, consumer uh, for the consumers whatsoever so for us like when we first got into the space I was looking at what currently existed and like trying to figure out like how do we even <laughs> how do we even do this and our initial uh, approach was to um we'd have like miniature warehouses in every city because we were like, oh, this is the way to be able to get things um, to people's homes uh, significantly faster, you know, um, by having uh, by having the return be validated in city without having it ha need to be shipped and removed from that uh, location to, uh, you know, the warehouse of the um, merchant. And that model proved to be uh, very expensive <laughs> before, which was uh, the giant, warehouses and now kind of like taking that and then adopting it to something a little bit more modern which didn't make sense for us and then um what wound up happening was that i had lost a um bid um a bidding war for where a 
a fairly large um, warehouse um, in Austin to a, a large company that shall not be named. And um, it, it enabled us to understand that the real power here is a softer place. So Flindle currently, um, we are able to do consumers returns and home returns, but without physical warehouses. Wow, that's really, uh, that's that's pretty crazy actually. That's a lot. What, it would, I'm curious because like, obviously you're coming, as you mentioned, you're, you're competing with these big giant corporations what was like and you mentioned you're trying to find a different way to to operate business and so you're not directly competing with their model but what was like if you had to name one thing what was the hardest aspect in starting this business i i think everything is fixable when you have the right people in your corner um so for us like something that i learned early on because i didn't come from a logistics background. I came from a tech background, you know, um, with comps and everything. So like I just early on, uh, I recruited the right people uh, to be able to help us to make this company make sense. Um, so which was uh, to be able to help us make this company make sense so that when hurdles did come and different challenges did come, we'd be able to have like good counsel um, to get through that. So like um, for any company, building a great core team is very important. Um, our team is like just incredible uh, humans across the board, but then also building a really strong advisory board um, is very important. So at Flindle's advisory board, we have everyone from like senior executives at like Uber, Meta, um, you know, former MasterCard people, et cetera, and just people that are just able to help us, you know, um, navigate through the tough times because as a business, you go through so many different things that are some of them within your control, which is, oh, like our model, you know, uh, may need a little bit of adjusting. And then some of them like that are out of control, like, oh, global pandemic shut down the entire world <laughs> for six months. <laughs> so, um, which is our version of, you know, Marvel's blip. Um, and uh yeah, like, so in every of those scenarios, when you have the right people that are involved with you, you're able to think through it because sometimes for us, like, when there's a problem that I'm like presently like faced with the glaring problem, um, I may not be able to see it right now because I can't remove myself from that issue. But then having other eyes and other perspective, you know, to say, hey, Goshi, like, this isn't actually that complicated. <laughs> Um, is definitely helpful. So every issue that we've had has been resolved um, by having the right people um, around us. I guess my follow-up question, I guess in some ways it's a, a two-part follow-up question is sure. one, how did you like find the right people? Because I mean, you, you mentioned some people from these big companies, how did you find them? And two, I guess since you're based in Austin and Austin is now like the big hit. Uh, I know Dad watched the move there. He's planning moving there in a few months um, from Dallas. But like, did living in Austin help you also find the right people for your team? Um, I think it's definitely an ongoing process. Um, and I would say that you need to be very specific as to like what you actually want uh, for your company and then for yourself, right? So your advisors are people that add some degree of value to um, both the company's life as well as your life. Like I fully like had like very um, transparent conversations with my advisors where I'm just like, yeah, you know, today sucks. <laughs> here's why you know um and then with your team, like you have to like know what you want so um for example with us there were some things that i knew that i didn't personally know that i needed to um get certain people involved that did know those things that will be able to offer uh significant like feedback based off of their experience in the space um you know getting people that are involved in the um commerce space getting people that are involved in logistics like heavily um just like uber or you know like writing those things down so for me i wrote down a list 
of all the companies that I, I, I admired and wrote down like the reasons why. Then I wrote down people that were, uh, you know, controlling these companies. And then I reached out to them. And, you know, if you're a human to other people, like people are just looking for human connections. So if you're a human, you're not weird, you're not like greedy or anything. Um, people are willing to have conversations with you and, you know, like build a, a longstanding uh, uh, working relationship with you. So I would say like be specific about what you want and be specific about like your goals and your target. Um, and then uh, the right people will come to you based off of that. Awesome. So what would you say the um, role of technology has played in the success of your business? Yeah, I know. I like we're the, the way that our system works is that customer uh, wants to return an item, they're able to uh, scan the item and we're able to recognize, you know, uh, using our systems, like knowing if the item is uh, in good condition or poor condition. So we effectively bring the entire QA process that happens in a warehouse to the consumer's phone, uh, which is something that's never been done before in the industry. So like, um, you know, technology is, technology is great. <laughs> You know, these smartphones, they, um, the cameras are just like so uh, different than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. If it was back then, you know, it wouldn't have been a great time to start Flindle in the way that we have. So uh, technology is centrifugal to everything that we do. Um, and, you know, with the advancement of uh, AI detection technologies and like neural networks and everything, we're able to train our models a little bit better to figure out like, okay, what exact condition is this in? Is it cracked? Is, does it have a hairline fracture? What kind of crack is it? Um, you know, uh, does it have a stain? Does the shirt have a stain? Which, you know, you may not typically be able to recognize until like the um, system is smart. So yeah, technology plays a, a giant role in the progression of the company. So in terms of um, training these models, like what did that process look like for you? Just a ton of images of things like broken iPhone, broken iPhone, broken iPhone, broken iPhone, red shirt, red shirt, red shirt, red shirt, you know, different shades of red shirt. This is what the red shirts from Walmart look like. This is what it looks like if it's torn because um, with the return process, unfortunately, there comes a lot of fraud that happens where people will, like someone can like imagine someone buying a black Prada shirt, right? And um, going to Walmart and then buying a black George shirt and then swapping the two. So you have to be able to train um, to recognize, you know, what is what. So, um, for us, like we're constantly learning, constantly, you know, accepting feedback and just super excited about the space and excited for the next few years. So how does it read? I mean, that's like an interesting point. So how does it read if it's like a different brand per se? Uh, no, the person has to take a picture of the uh, tag. Oh, okay. So the tag <laughs> I is required. Say it counts the thread fabric and says this is not it. But um, no, the person has to take a picture of the of the um, of the uh, label, including their receipt. But can it tell if it's like a fake? like a knockoff sure um knockoff. no we're actually looking to partner with a company that's based out in houston that's focused on um anti um anti-counterfeit technology specifically um for this so they what they do is that they do um anti-counterfeit uh recognition on the blockchain so giving everyone like a certificate of authentic authentication because a lot of these luxury brands actually don't have a means of like you know, you, you never know, like someone has like a fake Louis Vuitton bag <laughs> and you think it's real, you know, and then for us, like, it's definitely important to be able to uh, just understand, uh, you know, the difference between or a trainer system to understand the difference between a knockoff, you know, versus the authentic thing. So besides telling if something is real or fake, what have been your other, I guess, challenges in terms of 
making sure that all of the, the uh, technology is working seamlessly? Um, I think it was really just pivoting the like pivoting from like uh, manual to automated. So uh, there was a point where we had actual human beings that were picking up returns and we called them Flindies. And they were people that wore like red shirts and cause our logo was red at the time. Um, and we would have them just like be on the street corners. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And people could like drop an item to that person. And the person would like then take it to um, at the time an apartment that we were renting out and then sort through the item and all of that. Um, pivoting from that, from human interaction to minimal human interaction was like a really huge thing for us. And um, there was a lot of, you know, hiccups that came along the way, but then for us, like the technology enabled for us to largely be hands-off. So it means that uh, there's no more uh, interacting with the uh, customer service person in store or online to figure out like, oh, I don't want to return. I want to return this because X, Y, Z, you know, the awkward conversation that always happens or being able to do things or planning your day or your life around a return. Everything just happens like from the palm of your hand. So I think like for us, uh, the technology aspect, like I said earlier, it's played a huge role. Um, but it's also helped us to be able to solve a lot of like uh, hiccups and challenges that come with doing things manually as opposed to um, automated. So what has been the biggest way that you've been able to get the word out about your business? Uh, definitely uh, just through strategic partnerships. So typically like you'll reach out, like we're a B2B company. Um, so you'll we'll reach out to, you know, Shopify, uh, BigCommerce, et cetera. And then just like reach out to the merchants within their advance plus and uh, other uh, polls. So that's something uh, that's like super, super important to us. And then of course, like going to um, retail events, like I would definitely say for entrepreneurs that are looking to get the word out about their company, regardless, depending on whether or not they're B2B, so serving businesses directly or their B2C uh, product is coming to conferences, um, you know, um, doing speaking uh, roles and all of that, like doing strategic partnerships. Uh, everyone in the space, like no one's really against you. I mean, yeah, there can be competition, but everyone's really rooting for you to win because at the end of the day, you're solving a problem and people like their problems to be solved. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Um, so besides partnering with that Houston company um, to fix the counterfeit issue, what would you be say is your like top priority for the next three to six months? And also maybe a year. Um, our top priority is uh, we're, we're looking at a couple of international uh, moves right now. So I'm uh, very excited about that. And I'm um, just looking into just different things overseas because the issues domestically are uh, for the most part, very, very, very straightforward. Uh, but then overseas with terms of logistics networks, it's a little bit uh, more complex. So like the experience of somebody in a country um, like Nigeria, for example, versus in a country like the States or Canada, a very, very, very different experience. So um, we're in conversation with, with a couple of companies around that. I'm very, very, very excited for what's ahead. Really cool. Really exciting. Where do you envision your company one year from now? If we have this chat again one year from today, what do you think Flingo's going to look like at that point? Um, I know that a year from today, we'll have some exciting news that we um, you know, are closing in a little bit that we'll be able to share. And I'm very excited to have this conversation a year from today and you know, talk about this conversation <laughs> and how exciting that news was. Awesome. So what Which is the... Is yeah, for sure. So what what is the one biggest piece of advice that you wish that you knew before you started this company? Um, I would say that it's okay to not have everything figured out from the beginning. 
And um, because the thing is that like building a company is not a, um, a straightforward thing. It's a sinusoidal wave. You have your super high highs and then your super low lows. And that's um, okay. And that's very, very normal. And I think because um, I'd surrounded myself with people that had built like these like hundred billion dollar plus companies. Um, and I was just like, oh my goodness, we need to be scaling at this rate and doing all of these things at this specific rate. You know, it put a lot of like internal um, internal pressure. So what I would tell myself like a younger me is like, hey, you're gonna figure it out. Um, it's okay to like not exactly have all the answers right now, but eventually you will. And just to enjoy the moment, like I'd be doing really, really cool things, but I just didn't have the ability at the time to take time and just like really appreciate like, oh, wow, you know, this is really happening for me. Like there's literally someone I used to write essays on in college that I like, it's like my, my most recent on FaceTime. So like those things are just things that like 18 year old me would have been geeking out over that I, you know, in the moment of just being so like heads down, didn't take time to appreciate. So I would just definitely say like, appreciate like in the grind, in that process, but like appreciate the uh, journey and appreciate and celebrate like the little wins. Like whether it's like, oh my goodness, somebody replies to my email or oh my goodness, you know, I had this amazing meeting or getting your first check from an investor. Like that's a big deal. I remember like I was like in such back to backs that wire was sent, it happened and I'm like, okay. And then we just kind of keep, we just kept going, you know? So I would definitely say that just like for all the entrepreneurs, like enjoy the little things, take yourself to get coffee and like enjoy the taste of the coffee. Like I don't remember like so many things that happened because I wasn't like, you know, mentally present in those moments. So I was just curious, you said that you've been around a lot of very successful people. Just what have you noticed, I guess, specific, you know, top qualities that differentiate those people from people who have not been successful? Uh what I would say is everybody is a normal human being mm -hmm. um, and uh, people generally will like have uh, just a perception that people just do something like drastically special. Everyone's normal. Everyone like, you know, puts their pants on one leg at a time, all of that. But I think a huge thing is uh, persistence, like diligence, you know, um, a lot of companies and a lot of visions end up dying uh, prematurely, not necessarily because the circumstance or because the idea is negative, but just simply because of the fact that you may be really, 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 really close to your breakthrough. And then you just like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too hard, whatever. I'm going to like go back to my normal job or whatever. But if you're genuinely convicted about something, you will find a way to be able to make it work. And then you'll continue to surround yourself with people that can continue to elevate you. So what I would say is just a surround yourself with the right people so meaning that like again in the multitude of counsel and wisdom like there's safety like if you're you know freaking out there's someone that may know someone that may be able to like help you get to the next step and then um be be consistent like don't give up those are the two things that you need and then everything will be okay <laughs> Yeah, and the intelligence part, I mean, not everyone at the top is the smartest person. So what I would say is just like, as long as you have those two things, things will work out for you in your favor. Awesome. Well, that's really good advice. If somebody wanted to um, reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach out or find your company? I would definitely say if you wanted to, re to reach out to me personally, uh, probably on Twitter. Uh, I don't tweet, but I am on there a lot. So um, if someone was to DM me, I respond to DMs. And then uh, company-wise, like profiles are on Twitter and all of that, um, or they can shoot uh, an email to support at fundblog.com. Awesome. Well, Gochi, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate the inspiration and very, very inspiring words. So thank you. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you. Have a good rest of your day.
Yes, you too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.